Welcome to another in the Fleming Foundation's podcast series, From Under the Rubble. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the personal quirks and the bizarre antics of President Donald Trump, but we'll talk a good deal more about the broader issues of character, the character of our leaders, and the character of the American people. I'm Thomas Fleming, and joining me today, as on so many days, is Rex Scott. <laughs> Rex, I th- welcome, Rex. Yeah. Rex, I think of Trump uh, more as a member of your generation than mine. My generation? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think right now anybody's uh, claiming ownership of Donald Trump <laughs> in any generation, but... I wonder what you mean by what is it that you mean by that? Well, he's spoiled, willful, oh. entirely lacking in self-restraint, okay. any notion of, of dignity. He tweets. Who in the world? You, even you I don't. don't you no, don't I don't tweet. tweet. I'm yeah. not a tweeter. I'm reminded of something H.L. Mencken, the, the great uh, satirist, once said of the four-time presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan. He called him a zany without sense or dignity. Uh, this was very unfair to Brian, who was really in many respects a great man. By the way, one of the great men of Illinois, hmm. William Jennings Bryan, although he ended up going out to wherever it was, Nebraska, to uh, practice law and become a, a senator and four-time Democratic uh, congressman, hmm. uh, a Democratic candidate. Uh, Brian's flaws were just that he was a middle American and a Christian, but uh, but I think that phrase, a zany without sense or dignity, well, wait does a apply y- to y- Donald Trump. Do you consider, if you're comparing him, you consider him uh, a statesman who had, whose only flaws were the middle America and Christian? Those are the flaws? So, yeah. uh, what, let's get words, down to... Yeah. In other words, he's a great man, condemned by history because he... He may have got a lot of details wrong, but you know he he opposed the teaching of evolution in school because it corrupted people's character. Mm. He uh, he opposed he opposed the gold standard. I think there he was wrong, but yeah. Brian always argued for the sanity and decency of people in Middle America, and that he hated he hated both communist labor unions and Wall Street. Okay, so if we're comparing uh, Trump to this guy, uh, let's set the record straight here. What do you think of Donald Trump? Let's get that out of the way. Well, um, I continue to wish Trump well, and I think he is a man of many great abilities. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I have said from during the campaign and ever since that he is both the president this country needs because of his basic policies and approach to policies. But as I also said from the beginning, he's the president we deserve, and therein lies our great tragedy. Okay, he's got, you know, like a lot of presidents, because we've talked at length off a mic about a lot of presidents. He's been... Uh, he's had somewhat of a, shall we say, stormy past, yeah. um, a porn star payoff there. Um, you know, he just got his uh, lawyer's office got raided, uh, and they, you know, he was really incensed about that. He's had uh, arguments and exchanged insults with uh, Biden. Um, and also, there's no doubt about his tweets being rude and foolish and uh, fits of temper. And what does our president have to be or should be, um, and what does it say about the American public? Well, this is the subject, really, uh, that we're going to talk about, because leaders and leadership classes, call them elite classes, call them oligarchies, Mm -hmm. you can choose any term, 
but they are the face of the people. Hmm. That is because they set their they set their seal on us. Okay. They're an indication also of uh, what people will tolerate. You know, originally uh, Americans voted for or supported as their political leaders people like. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, okay. John Adams, sure. James Monroe, distinguished men of, of great ability and intelligence, right. education, sure. and a restraint. But when they voted for a frontiersman who was a brawler, a gunfighter, hmm. and by right. today's standards, a murderer, I'm really? talking about Andrew Jackson. Really? Yeah, Jackson. Jackson has. I mean, you could write you could write long books about all the all the gunfights, duels, and street street affrays he took part in. Hmm. Now, vote. Now, by the way, a man of, of considerable intelligence, ferocious courage, but a uh, in some respects a savage. Well, maybe they needed a brawler at that time. <laughs> Somebody's going to fight for our rights, fight for the right. the justice and truth of America. How about that? That's that, reasonable. That, there is. Uh, he certainly. Well, they they supported Jackson because. He represented the common farmer and shopkeeper against the elite class, but there were other people who could do that, but accepting Jackson, in other words, say, all right, I know, for example, that the uh, leader of the Senate, Thomas Hart Benton, put a bullet in his back in a, in a street fight. I know that he killed a, a man who said something about his wife, he called him out, and even though Jackson was shot, he said to his knees and shot it. And so he said, Jackson, I thought you weren't going to survive. And he said, I would have come back from hell to kill that man. Wow. I mean, you're dealing with a ferocious border Celt type. I kind of uh, like him. When we, oh, he's a, he's, he's a marvelous person to study. He would have been a good friend, but a very dangerous person to get on the wrong side I of. Yes. Thomas Hart Benton, after putting a bullet in him, uh, he and his brothers left the state of Tennessee and went to Missouri because they knew you can't you can't be Jackson's enemy and, and survive. <laughs> I, if you're gonna if you're gonna vote for such a man, it means you find that behavior acceptable. You know, previously it had this psalm singing uh, John Quincy Adams, a very uh, a very gentle, learned person. Mm -hmm. I think also a crook and a hypocrite, but that's another story. Well, we were looking as we are always looking for is a revolution against the elite class, those overlords against us want to rise up and we are the the nuts and bolts of America. We are the people and we want our voice heard and we want a, a fair yeah. shake. We want a square and deal. This, this happens periodically. You know, the history of American politics, as uh, Robert Whitaker uh, showed years ago in a book, is a series of populist uprisings against uh, the dominant elite. Sure. And then, of course, the populist rebels turn into the <laughs> a new elite class. There's got to be a new revolution. But I'm talking talking now about, about the character of the rulers that we're willing to accept. Like uh, the fighter, uh, the brawler fighter wrestler of Lincoln. He was yeah. a good one, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, well as uh, many of our uh, listeners know, I, mean, mm -hmm. I have debated Lincoln and written on Lincoln for a long time. I'm not oh, a Lincoln okay. expert, but you know, Lincoln represented the lowest class. What? And I'm talking about socially, socioeconomic. Yeah, class. he represented. He the... was a, from a class that normally you wouldn't allow to be a small town mayor. Okay. His father, if you've read Huckleberry Finn, his father was a type rather similar to Pap Finn, uh, the drunken maniac who, drunken who maniac. sees visions in, in in his in his drunken insanity. Lincoln okay. wouldn't go to his own father's funeral what? because Lincoln wanted to believe that he was somehow descended from. Uh, people like Thomas Jefferson, okay. the truth is he was poor white. And if you could accept poor white, uneducated, 
uh, never read a book so far as any of his friends could tell. Really? He's always like pictured yeah, reading I a book I in I the forest and ready to chop Bi down Bi a tree or something. Billy, Billy Herndon, his, his uh, law partner, said he would try to get Lincoln to read Dickens or anything, and Lincoln would only read the would gossip in the newspapers. That's all he would read. <laughs> and in addition, he uh, he abandoned his first fiancée, which was a terrible thing to do. He, he, okay. he insulted her behind her back so that she would she would give him up. Oh, and mar right. married a rich woman who went crazy. I understand why Mary Todd went crazy being married to him. But he also, he had a very dirty sense of humor. Really? People, when he was in Congress, his fellow congressmen didn't want their wives to be around him because he told dirty jokes. And okay. uh, they were offended. So setting aside whether he was a great president, a good president, yeah. or a terrible president, but setting aside all that, it took a lot for the American people to, uh, it, was, it was a sign of a revolutionary change, because Jackson was a, was a distinguished person despite okay. being a crude frontiersman. Sure. And somebody, uh, they, uh, one English visitor said he had the character of, uh, of a country gentleman in England. Hmm. Of course, a country gentleman who'd kill you for a drop of Well, of course, but, yeah. But, but, There's always that. But, uh, but Lincoln, Lincoln was uh, crude, and he was feared and despised by, by uh, most of the leaders of the, in the political class. Hmm. I, I doubt that the southern states would have seceded had some more distinguished person been elected in 1860 because they didn't know Lincoln and right. because he was a nobody and okay. they didn't they certainly didn't trust him they, th they thought he was just not responsible well they've done a good job at the ruse of who Lincoln was maybe um, the guy who followed him up maybe we needed a soldier somebody who's been trained and taught in the military to you know yeah, like uh, Grant he's another one okay, you that, know, yeah, uh, Grant. Uh, butcher, Grant the Butcher who, who probably the biggest mass killer in American history okay. and killing Americans uh, he was not a not a competent, not a competent general, but he knew what he had to do. It was it was a terrible butcher and a drunkard. Okay. Uh, and his brother-in-law, for example, was secretary of the treasury, who helped to manipulate the silver uh, supply to the benefit of Fisk and Gould, who were two two Wall Street manipulators. Okay. Uh, Henry Adams, who was a rock-ribbed uh, Yankee who uh, had no, no use for the South, but Adams wrote his first articles on the corruption of the Grant administration. Wow. And uh, it is really, it was, it set a benchmark, something something for later presidents to shoot for, the, the level of dishonesty. So um, you we must have went through like phases or something. So you had like Lincoln and Grant, did something, did the tide shift? Yeah. Did we get into maybe people that were, uh, I, I dare say, uh, smarter or maybe more intelligent about uh, governmental things and, uh, you know, were able to run or get, steer the ship on a course that was correct. Did we, did we, well, who's the next guy who started getting the ball rolling the, here? The, uh, the big change, I think, come, that comes with the Republican Party bourgeoisie, the, the representatives of the middle and upper middle class take over. You know, okay. Gar Garfield, the college president, Ben Cleveland, uh, Grover Cleveland, who was okay. a pretty decent sort, a bit of mayor and, and big politician in, uh, in Ohio. The Ohioans take over, McKinley, and then and later on Harding mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, and Coolidge. Now, what did these guys have in common? Were these they like super were, rich guys that were smart, or they what? were? Uh, some were rich, some were not. Uh, some, but they all represented the American business class and the American business middle class. And so they were mm -hmm. they were more uh, they were more Main Street America than Wall Street okay. America. 
They were bland. None of them were particularly articulate, except for maybe Cleveland. Okay. They weren't especially honest or uncorrupt, but, but it, it represented the new sort of conventional middle-class type that was dominant in America. And so I think the real turning point is not Franklin Roosevelt so much as Herbert Hoover, who was a technocrat. Oh, I see. And so these fascist ideas of technocracy, which were, were entered in... First I'm not under, sure I understand the term technocrat. What is that? A, a technocrat is somebody who says, well, I don't... I, I rule by, by knowledge, my knowledge of economics, of politics, okay. engineering. Well, that seems reasonable. And, uh, and so we rise above political ideology. Now, as soon as you start looking at human life as a machine, then you are the engineer. And so what you're going to do is create a very large government apparatus, and you're going to fine-tune it and, and try to run a problem. Okay, well, that sounds reasonable because the government's huge, and it has to take care of a lot well, of people. Well, these people so. certainly made it huge. Uh, and so Hoover... Hoover started it and Franklin uh, Roosevelt, four terms of Franklin Roosevelt uh, brought the country almost to its knees. Uh, wow. it, uh, he, he prolonged the uh, depression by, uh, by his policies. That seems to be a reasonable conclusion by some of the best economists. Anyway, yeah. anyway we're not talking about whether their policies were good or bad. Right. But, but nonetheless, you know, and, and, and FDR was a member of the American upper class. You know, he was a patrician. Well, it seems you got presidents that were like drunkards and uh, they told dirty jokes. They were womanizers. If you get to the, the decades, let's say late 50s yeah. and the 60s, like for instance, you think of uh, Kennedy and, and Marilyn Monroe. Well, before we get, to, whole, before we get to Kennedy, let's, we, we had a kind of from, from uh, Harding, who ran on a campaign of return to normalcy okay. through Nixon, setting aside uh, Kennedy and Johnson. What you had were basically people who represented middle-class, middle-American values, whatever they might have been privately or personally. The public image was of decent, sober people. Eisenhower being the, the, the classic example. Okay. But, uh, but with the election of Kennedy, yeah. the son of a bootlegger, a man who consorted with uh, with prostitutes, who once said that he thought of it as a lost day when he had not had sexual relations with a new woman. JFK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, JFK tops wow. tops Clinton and uh, and and Trump enormously. But somehow um, the media was kind of making it tongue in cheek, wasn't it? It didn't seem they like lied. it was so they bad. Died. They, they had the, the it New York like Times. Kennedy was like, hey, yeah. you know, come on, you know, wouldn't you? And it's kind of kind of made. Ben, okay. Brad, ben Bradley at the Washington Post, his sister was having an affair, and even he w he wouldn't even come clean on that. Oh, so, but nonetheless, my my father was a Democrat, and uh, and I think voted for Kennedy. But he told me it, when when Kennedy was running, he said his father is a crook. He is the friend and business associate of mafia gangsters. Oh, he made money on black market oil during uh, World War II. Joe Kennedy is one of the most disgusting people in American well, history. Well, maybe we just don't want to know about all that. Well, you have to know. Otherwise, you, if you're not going to know, then you shouldn't vote. Okay, well, it seems... And so I would disenfranchise, by the way, three-fourths of the American people. That goes without saying. But, but my point is yes. that we accepted Kennedy because we pretended we didn't know. Nice. But when it came to Bill Clinton, there was no way of getting around it. Clinton was a crook and a womanizer. The, all of these the New York Times had, even though they wouldn't run it during the campaign. Sure. So when we accepted low-life trash like Clinton, 
When we accepted the incompetent and inexperienced Obama, the face of the American presidency changed because the face of the American people was changing. And the one person who has most understood this, although understand is maybe uh, too much, but the one person who has tumble to this, who has intuited it, if you, if you watch Trump from the beginning of his absurdly impossible campaign, right. first for the nomination and for the presidency, sure. Trump knew that the old world of hypocrisy yes. and the pretense of personal dignity, that's gone. There's a lot of the presidents that had controversy and scandal. No one is perfect. Uh, does a leader have to be a moral, upstanding saint to be president? Is there anybody that qualifies? Are there any presidents that were not immoral and a womanizing despot? Yeah, about half of them, two-thirds. Okay, well, well that's good what, news. What, what, what I'm saying is <laughs> not uh, it is that it's what you're willing to accept. For example, Warren Harding may have sneaked girls into the White House. That's an allegation that's been made. Okay. Uh, up the back stairs when his wife wasn't looking. And, oh, he, he, uh, and he played poker and smoked oh, cigars and that drank guy. liquor. So the point is that Harding, however, was... A, a, Publicly, he was a decent person. When we get to Clinton and Trump, it's impossible to maintain the pretense. And what Trump realized from all of this, and especially if you live in a country where they can celebrate Barack Obama as intelligent and articulate and a visionary, then you you live in a country where there's any lie can be told. Because certainly half the population knew this wasn't true. Well, uh, look at a guy like uh, was totally blatantly busted and lost the presidency, like Nixon. Now, that's blatant and obvious, so nah. that guy must have been really bad. No, he was one of the last halfway decent ones. I don't really? approve of his policies. Okay. He was certainly more honorable than his predecessors, uh, Kennedy and Johnson. The reason Nixon had to leave mm-hmm. was because the Democrats had a majority in the Senate, because they, they got him because they could. Hmm. What he did was on a small scale compared to the dirty tricks and bribery and corruption under Kennedy and Johnson. Johnson was a master. Johnson, by the way, was once asked uh, what politician did he most respect. He spent his life as a political manipulator, Senate majority leader, etc. He said Richard Nixon. In other words... He he thought he Nixon knew how to play hardball the way Johnson knew how to play hardball. Okay. But Johnson came came up the, a harder way. Dirt poor Texan ended up being a very wealthy man. How did that happen? Mm. Well, uh, we know how it happened. Right. Uh, and Johnson, you know, Johnson's got murders on. You know, he's got scalps in his belt. Wow. Oh, okay, well, we got Obama. Now, Obama came along, and what you're trying to say is, along with many of these others, this guy just had a front that was unstoppable. He had some backing somewhere, and uh, but the true story about Obama or some of these other guys was that they were pretty lousy people. Yeah, well, in the first place, Obama was manifestly incompetent. He had never been involved in any serious politics. He it, mostly, in he was ab- absent without leave in the Illinois legislature. He never did anything. Okay. And then in the uh, elected by a fluke, the Republicans gave him the, the Senate seat virtually uh, in, in a ridiculous election where the Republicans brought in Alan Keyes, the most unsuccessful candidate at any level in the history oh, of the brother. United States. So, and, and an out-of-stater, they had to bring Alan, you know, you could have taken any bum off the street in Rockford and more easily got him elected to the Senate. Anyway, 
The point is that Obama was inarticulate. He had to read a script or he would fall apart. Okay. He, he and his wife consorted openly with people like Jay-Z and, and various uh, you know, rappers, rappers right. and people who lead notoriously evil lives. You know, Michelle was once asked, if you couldn't be yourself, who would you be? He said, I'd be Beyonce. Really? Well, you know... That's the first lady? Yeah. We, we accept that? I mean, this is like, all of a sudden, the cast of All in the Family, or, or <laughs> married, married with children, all of a sudden, they're in the White House? So you're so, guilty by association. I mean, I, I remember, it just recalled JFK, and like, uh, wasn't he buddies with Sinatra and the whole Rat Pack thing oh, at that time? That was really hip. That, you was, know, through, that was through, his, the, the connection was through his brother-in-law, because uh, 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 JFK's sister married Peter Lawford, uh, okay. the, uh, an, an English a actor, actor yeah, I know who, not very successful actor, no. but he was pals with uh, Sinatra, and so he Dean made Martin, the connection. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, yeah. somehow got in there. Oh yeah, they were all, they were part of the famous Hollywood Rat Pack. But uh, they're also friends with Sam Giancana, the mafia boss in Chicago. Okay. And they're hilarious stories. Giancana wanted Sinatra to set up a personal meeting with Kennedy, and there was even talk about uh, whacking Frank because oh, he couldn't set it up. Oh. But I mean, this is so. This this was this was all behind. Nobody knew this for years. Right. And partly it comes out because, uh, like the memoirs of Judith Campbell Exner, who was a prostitute girlfriend, and Giancana lent her to Jack Kennedy. Uh, now this is this is pretty disgusting it is. stuff. But but the thing is, uh, uh, in the case of the the, the Trump's predecessor presidents, the complete goofball uh, George W. Bush. Okay. Uh, uh, the, as they say, he, he had a. Uh, right, which one, George Bush? Are you talking about the original? No, the, the first number one? two. Number two. Or, or the, it seemed like the first guy was pretty cool. He had, certainly. Like a nice guy. He had a lot of experience, and uh, he, he he projected presidential dignity. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the son is just you know it's just a uh, frat boy, party animal, oh, typical type. Okay, so here we are with Donald Trump. Yeah. Admittedly, I'm going to say it. Yeah, he's a he's a wild card. He's a, a morally questionable ant. But I want to say that you know um, he is a fighter. Uh, like those guys you were talking about, the gunfighters, he's a fighter, and he's shaking things up. And I think because he goes in and he's uh, a fighter and shaking things up, I think the general government, you know, the stand, the status quo is upset, and they're trying to demonize him anymore, every, at every turn. I mean, at, it's always constantly some sort of scandal or some of the Russians or whatever, right. his co coercion with them. Um, and the current the current scandal, uh, the, the raid on the... Uh, on his lawyer's office is completely unjustifiable. I mean, uh, every uh, most of the most recent presidents, including, by the way, George H.W. Bush, had, were having affairs with women. I mean, these things are, are fairly well attested. But uh, the, he, they are selectively picking on him. On the other hand, what I'm getting at is yes. not that Trump is a nice person or a bad person, or that any of these people are good or bad, okay. but rather that the per, our public perception of people like Trump and Obama and uh, the second Bush and Bill Clinton, okay. the public perception of these people is, uh, is um, tells us a lot about who we have become. The fact that a, a huge percentage of 
Bill Clinton got re-elected is just would have been astounding to people of the previous generation. Mm. That Obama could have run for the U.S. Senate would have been astounding to people of a previous generation. That a goofball like George W. Bush could, was allowed to, to start a, a terribly destructive war, kill all, all those people in Iraq, destroy a country on the basis of a lie, hmm. that this, and then get re-elected. This is, this is just, uh, to, to somebody of my age, it's just astonishing. So what I'm saying is that yes. Trump sees yeah. Trump somewhere in the dim recesses of his mind. Yes. Trump understood the world has changed. It's no longer the world of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. It's the world of Facebook and tweeting. That's right. It's the world of, of Hollywood vulgarity on the lowest level. It's the world of reality television. It's the world of women mud wrestlers. <laughs> all right. Well, after all, what, what other president has been in the ring of the, uh, the, uh, the World Wrestling uh, Federation? Okay, so we've so. got all these things about his character and the past president's character and whether they were... I mean, how... So the face has changed, uh, and even the Facebook has changed the face. Mm -hmm. So what, what is... Is there, is there any upside to this? Is there any good thing? If, if we could say something about the presidents and the American people, what, okay. what's the situation we're in right now? Why are these people in power, and what does it say about us? Well, the, the first, the upside, and, and this I'll be very brief because I've talked about this a lot in the okay. past. The, uh, we spent eight years of President Obama pretending he was a dignified, worthy, intelligent architect. I'm the smartest man I've ever known, he would say. I was ast astoundingly good student. Can we see your grades? No. All right. I well, that, that tells you everything. Okay. But we were run by decent, conventional hypocrisies up until Trump. With Trump, there's not... The pretense is gone. It, you know, what pretense are you talking about? The pretense that the president of the United States is is a dignified human being, a dignified, sober human being. All of that's gone. We're we're, we're it's it's out of the the, the 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 secret is out. And that's a good thing because it's why? a good thing because yeah uh, because uh, by the way it's also a very bad thing. Right. The good, the good part is though that the uh, Election after election, decent middle American Christians are snookered by complete hypocrites and liars like the Bushes, like uh, like the Clintons, and you know there are a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, liberal evangelicals mm -hmm. actively supported both Bill and Hillary and Obama. Now the truth is that if you're any kind of Christian, yes, these people you have to. In the case of the Clintons and uh, the Obamas, these people are enemies of your religion. There's just no getting around it. You find yourself uh, voting for the lesser of two evils. I mean... Yeah, but that means you're voting for evil. You know, it's, it's like I used to say, well, Hitler or Stalin, I say no to both. Hasn't this been going on forever? I mean, from the beginning, wasn't uh, didn't Machiavelli write that book, uh, The Prince, and yeah. you know, teach people how to be the despot and but still successful as leaders? Isn't that what that's all about? Well, that's not really what Machiavelli is all about, but we'll we'll accept that for the moment. Uh, what Machiavelli began to teach people was yeah. the nature of power. And Machiavelli is the first political thinker to understand that politics is no long, was no longer, by his lifetime, and, and I would say 200 years earlier, okay. politics ceased to be 
uh, how to govern, how people would get together to govern their community, and politics had become the pursuit of power. Right. And and uh, Aristotle does not treat this, for example, or Thomas Aquinas, because it wasn't the reality the way it was. Of course, of course, human instincts are always the same, but a Greek commonwealth is not the same as a, as, as one of these gangster principalities in the Renaissance. So what, one of the things that Machiavelli understood was that the, and that he passed on to his disciples over the centuries, is that uh, the character of the elite class, the character of the leadership class, okay, yeah. reflects the character of the people and tends to form it. He had two uh, two big disciples in the late 19th century, uh, Pareto and uh, Gaetano Mosca in Italy. The Italians have always been shrewder about politics than anybody else and shrewder about understanding it, and they are even today. Mm. If you put all these things together along with uh, Roberto Michels and a couple of others, okay. uh, what they understand is that uh, a soci every society, you see, has, has its own set of values and skills. Okay. And imagine you had a society where you, you would get women, wealth, and power because you could pick the guitar well. Oh. Well, we don't have any good guitar pickers in America, so uh -huh. Eddie Van Halen aside. There you go. Now you're on <laughs> board. He would be a, like a totally rich political, yeah. he'd be president of the United States. So, but Van if, Halen if, for president, woo! If... If if that Not were the really. case, then everybody would be playing the guitar every because it's oh, the route to power. I see. In societies where it's a warrior, then everybody then you know why is it that all these people went uh, volunteered for the Union Army, rich people? Why hmm. did they do that? Because they thought that after the war they'd be the they'd be a governor or a president. And in fact, oh, there's a whole series of them. If you didn't fight in the war, you couldn't run for office. Well, soldiers make good presents, it Sometimes. seems, because they've you know been in a regiment. They understand yeah, yeah. power. They understand. They, power. they studied power on the basis of a, a military. And so certainly, that, that makes sense to certainly, me. Certainly, uh, like in the Middle Ages, the elite class were the warriors. 